With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi everyone, this is Janet here uh, with my the first in my new Ninja Bites series. Woohoo, I'm so excited about this. Um, <laughs> but I'd better start slow and not get carried away. My name is Janet Dalgleish and I'm the party host at Identity Shift Ninja. Um, so this, this is the first of this new series called Ninja Bytes. My intention with this series of resources is to provide um, some short and highly focused explorations of the law of attraction from a brain science perspective, which is always my most fun place to come. I'm a bit of a, a brain science geek. Um, and that's because for me, our brains are our allies in the art of deliberate creation. When we know how to get them on side, Sometimes if we don't really understand how they work or, what, or how to manage them, because they do require some management, they can, act as, they can actually be a little bit of, well, they can feel like they're sabotage. They're not really. They're just doing their job. Um, but we get our real power when we understand how they work and how we can get them on board. So before I dive into the core material, I want to just do a brief intro for anyone who's listening to the recording or who's on the call who is completely new to the law of attraction or to the brain science approach that I like to use. So let me begin with this really brief summary of how it works. Law of attraction says that everything is energy, you, me, rocks, trees, everything, and that like attracts like. Therefore, whatever we focus on, wherever we put our vibration, which is our thoughts and feelings, that's what we get more of. And on any given topic, whether it's career, relationship, money, kids, parents, whatever it might be, we can put our focus either on the thing we want or the lack of the thing we want. And we can tell where our focus is really simply. It's, our clue is how we feel about that topic. If we feel good, then we're in a kind of anticipatory state of expecting that thing to turn up. A bit like when you go to your favorite cafe and you order a latte and you know they're going to deliver a good coffee. Eager anticipation, no questions asked. But when we're focused on the lack of our desire, it feels horrible. Not because we're doing something wrong or because we're in trouble with the universe, but because our true self, that, that inner being, that, that most powerful version of ourselves which lives inside, that part of us is busy focusing on the eager anticipation while we ourselves, our conscious awareness, is focusing on the lack or the fear of not getting it. So... Law of Attraction says you can change reality with your thoughts and emotions, also known as your vibration. People who consciously use this phenomenon are called conscious creators or deliberate creators. But what is reality anyway? This is where the brain science comes in. Because what you experience as reality is 100% delivered to you by your brain. Every single part of your reality is a gift of your brain. Your brain receives about 11 billion bits of information per second, which is way more than you could possibly make sense of. So it filters that input down from 11 billion bits to about 40 bits. <laughs> That's a huge amount of filtering. And how does your brain decide which bits of reality to deliver into your experience? It decides based on a mix of memory, belief, and context. 
It seeks out evidence for what it already believes to be true. It delivers its best opinion of what's really going on out there in reality. In other words, your thoughts become things. It's exactly the same as law of attraction. But here's the really good news. You are not your brain. You are the user of your brain. And your brain is designed to change. We now know that humans, adult humans, can use their thoughts and behaviours to literally and physically rewire their brains. We didn't know that 20 years ago, by the way, and now we do. So for me, it's really, really exciting. You change your thoughts and your reality changes. You use your thoughts to change your brain, to rewire it, and your reality changes. And I can hear some of you saying, what the hell? If I knew how to change my thoughts, I wouldn't have signed up for this call. That's totally cool. That's what we're going to explore today. So uh, we've got a few more people who have joined us on the line. I just want to say, um, just to interrupt myself for a moment, to say I will stop to ask questions or rather to ask if there are any questions from time to time. But if you've got any questions and you're live on the call, then please feel free to just dive in. Just yell out, uh, Janet, <laughs> and I'll stop and answer if I can. All right, so let's talk about thought loops. These are the circular thoughts that keep going round and around and around, like habits of thought. And they end up reinforcing themselves, so they become a powerful, like a self-sustaining construct inside our heads. Thought loops can be positive, neutral or negative, not because they're good or bad, but rather because, because of whether we experience them as being supportive or restrictive or kind of neutral. So a neutral thought loop is the kind of thing that we might rely on every day. Traffic will behave in a certain way. The mail comes at a certain time. Grass grows. We know how to read or those sorts of things. Now some of these might be positive or negative for some people. For me, they tend to be neutral assumptions. The assumptions that I can make without having to be conscious of them. I can just lean into them. Uh, most of us also have a number of positive thought loops, even though we may not be consciously aware of them. I love my child. I'm a fantastic cook. The sun will rise tomorrow. My bed is comfortable. My husband loves me. Whatever they might be. And again, these are going to be different from person to person. And the neutral and positive thought loops rarely get our attention in the everyday swirl of life. They're the thoughts we don't resist because we like them. They feel good. Um, and yes, we can get some huge benefit by turning our attention to them and flowing appreciation. But that's for another call. That's not what today's call is about. Today's call is about the negative thought loops. These are the ones that are painful and sticky. The ones that feel like they are kinking up your whole sense of who you are and what you can achieve. And I want to be really clear here. I don't, my aim is not to amp up any fear of negative thought that you might already have. When, when we're new to the law of attraction, it's really easy to start seeing every painful or negative thought as the enemy. We can even begin to fear our own painful thoughts and emotions as though they might end up accidentally attracting a reality we don't like. So let's bust that myth for a start and talk about how to handle individual negative thoughts because that's a little different from the thought loops that we're really focused on today. Every single thought that we have wants to be sunk. Individual thoughts come and go through our minds all day long and most of them are fleeting. In fact, a painful thought which lets us know that we don't like something is a blessing. Deliberate creators call it contrast and it's actually an essential part of the system. When we know what we don't like, it allows us to know what we do like. We understand our desire and we can put our focus towards the, the realization of that desire. <clears throat> so we can, we can actually value and use those painful thoughts and emotions. We can learn from them 
and then we can change them. So just this is just a, a very brief outline of how to do that before we dive into the thought loop process itself. So when we've got a negative thought, the simplest way to tackle it is to simply allow ourselves to think it and then let it go. So rather than resisting it, we go through it. So for example, if I'm feeling anxious about a new program I'm launching, you know, I'm, I, I, I might feel anxious that I'm not going to get enough people. So what I would do is I will allow that thought to happen. I will allow myself to imagine the worst case scenario that absolutely nobody will sign up. It's a scary thought and I don't love it, but I become willing to think it because actually I would survive that. I wouldn't love it for sure. I probably wouldn't even like it much, but I'd be okay. Even if I went broke because of it and ended up dying alone and neglected under a bridge somewhere, I'd still be okay. I probably wouldn't love that either, by the way, but I'd be okay. When we stop the resistance and become willing to think a thought that we don't like, it feels like relief. There's usually a lightening of spirit as I realized that the thought in itself was okay. It didn't put me under that bridge. It didn't kill me. I survived it. And at that point, I get to choose. I can do what's called pivoting. I can reach for a better feeling thought, something like all is well here or everything works out. Now this all sounds fine and dandy and for the most part it works. It's relatively easy to do when it's a single thought but when we get caught up in that thought loop it just isn't that easy. You might visit with that unwanted wanted thought, you might even try using the pivoting and you might even succeed but within a really short space of time you find yourself back in that thought loop over and over again. It's almost, it feels almost like an addiction, as though you are being pulled into this dark spiral of painful thoughts. Now, I want to pause here and say, obviously, I am not a doctor or a psychotherapist. So if you're listening to this, if you're experiencing severe depression or other mental health issues, do please seek the advice of a competent medical practitioner. And if you're currently under the care of a health professional, please note that while this process is likely to work extremely well in conjunction with your current treatment, I recommend that you check in with them before applying it. Let them know, I'm happy for you to let them hear the recording or, or see the notes or for you to explain it to them. But I do want to say that we all go through this experience of thought loops from time to time. And I want to say that if this happens, there is nothing wrong with you and you are not broken. So how come this thought loop seems to get you in its talons so tightly you just can't break out of it by simply deciding? Most of the time, it's just a little chemistry. It's a little brain chemistry. So here's how it works. I'm going, before, we go, before we go any further, I'm going to just stop and see if, if anyone has any questions because I feel like I've been <laughs> just holding forth for ages. Um, any questions so far? No, not from me. You guys are so quiet. All right, thank you very much. Thank you for I'm sorry, say that again. All good so far, thank you. Excellent. Thank you. All right, I'm gonna keep going. So here's how it works. Let's let's dive into a little brain chemistry. Um now I'm not I'm not gonna to use too much technical jargon because um, it just makes people's eyes glaze over and even though I get very excited about it. <laughs> um but let's dive in. So Every single thought that we have exists as a flash of activity along a neural pathway in your brain. So a neural pathway is a sequence of nerves of neurons, which are the brain cells, the cells that make up the brain. That neural pathway is made up of brain cells which use chemicals to send messages between them. That's how the thought is conveyed. 
or emotions. Everything that happens in the brain is conveyed through these message through this messaging system. And it's based on chemicals. One brain cell creates a little chemical signal which is passed to the next brain cell. These are called neurotransmitters. And our body produces hundreds of these different neurochemicals. And we actually only, the scientists actually only understand a small or have identified a small fraction of them. Uh, there's still so many that are not yet clear to us and they probably won't be, become completely understood in our lifetime. That's how complex it is. But we do know how they work fundamentally. So what happens is a neurotransmitter is sent from one cell to the, set to the next cell. The, the, the next cell receives the message using something called a neuroreceptor. It's like a teeny tiny widget that exists on the external membrane of the cell. And every cell has hundreds of these different widgets because each of these widgets is slightly different, designed to pick up a different type of messenger. So you can imagine that they will be different ones for each of the different thoughts and emotions that you experience. And, and they can't do each other's job. So a, love, a, a widget designed to pick up the, the neurochemical for love cannot pick up anger. A, neuro, a widget designed to pick up anger cannot pick up hope or misery. And an anxiety widget cannot pick up joy. These things cannot do each other's jobs. And the chemicals being used to convey these messages, they're very sophisticated cocktails. So imagine that your brain's messaging system is like a symphony orchestra. When it's playing in balance and harmony and we're experiencing the full range of human emotions and thoughts, it's quite difficult to pick out one individual violin. The whole orchestra is playing and everything's in balance. But when we have a thought loop or a thought habit of long standing, it's like the orchestra gets out of balance on that particular topic. So, for example, let's say that the thought loop relates to anxiety about money. If we've been anxious about money for a long time, we have been flooding our brains with the complex neurochemical signals for anxiety about money. And that will look different for each of us. The way that you might flow anxiety about money is going to look different from the way that I might flow anxiety about money. And neurochemical signatures are going to be different from each other. But what's happening inside our heads is that the brain cells get to, they, they start swimming in this soup of money anxiety over and over and over and again. And in order to cope with this incoming flood of chemicals, every cell begins to develop more and more of the widgets specifically able to take on board that message. So each brain cell, instead of having a lovely balanced mixture of neuroreceptors, of widgets, begins to develop more and more and more of the widgets associated with anxiety about money because they've got this constant intake. They've got to be able to pick it up so they're, they're getting a little out of balance in what they can receive. So not surprisingly, after a while, we find ourselves with a brain full of cells which are expecting the neurochemistry of money worry. In fact, it's as though they crave it. Our brain cells become little mini junkies constantly looking for triggers to get that flood of neurochemicals to which they've become so habituated. Instead of the full orchestra, when we think about money, or we're, so we might receive a bill, or we might hear someone talking about money, or we might watch a movie where somebody's got money worries, or we might watch a movie where somebody's very rich. Whatever that trigger is around that topic of money, our brain is only playing with the brass section or the woodwinds. It's only got this one version of how money exists in the world. 
Now, I know that when I use the language of addiction and junkies, it can sound a little alarming. The good news is that unlike junkies who are um, on more synthetic chemicals, um, the, it's actually relatively easy to reset this chemical balance in our own brains and to free up our brain cells from these little addictions because our brains are designed to change. Humans can use thoughts and behaviours to change their brains and only two things are required. One is repetition. So you can't use this technique once and expect everything to change instantly. Although the change does begin immediately and it can take as little as 72 hours or, as, or, or to three weeks. That's usual, 72 hours to three weeks. It can take longer. It's a very individual thing. But the repetition is really key. And the other thing is what I call juice. This is a sense of... This is sensory or emotional engagement. And today, it's the sensory engagement that we're going to be talking about. So these are the only two things we need. We need repetition and we need sensory engagement. Uh, we've got an echo on the line. Uh, is somebody on chat and on the call? No? Oh, it's fine. Uh, Whatever it was, it went away. <laughs> Maybe it was just me that heard that. No, my call just dropped and I had to dial back in. So I don't know, maybe that's oh. what caused it. Oh, how odd. I'm fine okay, now. I'm, okay, cool. All right. Um, if, I start, if, we start to, if anybody's got any background noise, it's been fine so far, but if you get any background noise, it's just, just hit star six and, um, and that will take care of it. So at this point, before I dive in and explore the actual three-step process, because I promised in the title to this call that it would be a three-step process, before I dive in, any questions about this, about this concept of brain cells becoming addicted to a particular thought loop? Is this, is this making sense to everybody? Yes. Yeah. 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 Awesome. 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 And is any? Uh, I am getting some background noise from in uh so I'm gonna... Okay, I think that might be better. I think I got it. Sorry, guest six, it was you. Um if you've got a question, I know that you're in chat, so feel free to ask it in chat. Or when I pause for questions I'll I'll just open up the line again. Um Alrighty, so uh, now I'm hoping that nobody is feeling alarmed about this because when you first hear that the idea that your brain cells might have got addicted to a thought loop, it can feel a bit scary. But seriously, it's much easier to change than you think it might be. So let's dive in and explore these three steps. Now, when I say three steps, it implies that you do these things one after the other. And that can be true. It can work that way. But you can actually do all three simultaneously. This will make more sense when we go into more detail, but of course I have to explain them one after the other. So they're, so they're set out as a three-step, you know, the, the, the order in which, they, in which I'm explaining them isn't necessarily the order you have to do them. Uh, and there is a prologue before these three steps and an epilogue that I will talk about after, uh, at the end. So the prologue to these three steps is to notice that you're in a thought loop. Um, each one of us has a different thought loop when it comes to the content of the thought loop, but the content kind of doesn't matter. The emotions are often very similar. So they might be things like anxiety, worry, frustration. Those can be the things, the things that they sort of um, have this clingy sense to them that, they're, that, that feel difficult to shake off. So regardless of what the content of your thought loop looks like, whether it's 
oh my god, I can't pay this bill, even when you know there's money in the bank, or oh my god, I haven't got, I have no money, even though you've just been paid. Those kinds of thought loops. Um, the content is going to look very different, but the emotion, the, the feeling of it, is probably going to be somewhat similar. And I'm pretty sure that you know what your thought loop looks like, or rather, what it feels like. So I'm going to invite you next time you experience it to simply pause, this is the prologue, and remind yourself that these thoughts are not real, they are simply brain chemistry at play. Those of us who, um, and I mentioned before that uh, those of us who practice deliberate creation can get a little caught up in the idea that a negative thought loop is dangerous or something to be ashamed of or worried about. Uh, so, for example, we might not want to tell our law of attraction coach that we are caught in a negative thought loop because they will think we don't know how to manage our thoughts and our, and our vibrations. So I really want to emphasize that before we begin with our three simple steps, you, it, it's really helpful to recognize that a thought loop is not an indication of anything broken or a failure. You're not bad at law of attraction. It's just chemistry. So that's the prologue. Remind yourself this is just chemistry. Notice the thought loop and remind yourself it's just chemistry. And now <laughs> the three steps, it's going to take me a little longer actually, <clears throat> probably way longer to describe than it will take you to do. So as I mentioned, you can do them simultaneously which can be super powerful. Step one is the simplest, yet it has a powerful impact on brain chemistry, especially if that thought loop has triggered those additional feelings of anxiety or shame on top of the actual thought loop itself. So in addition to our, you know, whatever our thought loop is, whether it's um, a thought loop of anxiety about our relationship or our, um, uh, frustration with somebody at work, whatever it might be, we might also find ourselves thinking things like, I should be able to change this thought. Everyone else can do this except me. What's wrong with me? I'm so good at deliberate creation in every other area. I must be broken on this one topic. So anytime we get caught in that additional meta loop of self-criticism, uh, we're actually exacerbating the chemical effect of the original thought loop. So our poor brain cells are now swimming in a doubly toxic cocktail of anxiety-related chemicals. And that makes it even harder to give up the thought loop. So step one is to take three long, slow belly breaths. It sounds almost too simple to be effective, but this actually changes your physiology. So please don't skip this step. And let me dive into a little science behind why this is powerful. When we feel that sense of anxiety or fear or shame or um, self-criticism, it triggers our fight or flight response. Our amygdala, this ancient part of the brain that manages our safety, kicks into action as though we were under threat, under immediate lethal threat. Our internal resources are all redirected to the large muscles in order to help us run or fight. Uh, our breathing becomes fast and shallow and our heart rate increases in order to make more ox oxygen available to fuel those muscles. This is simple physiology. And we can work it in reverse. When you begin to take deliberately long, slow breaths, it actually sends a very clear signal back to your brain to say that all is well. It's a fast and reliable way to calm down the amygdala. That's why it is step number one. If you become conscious that you are feeling any rush of adrenaline in your system, you can add a sort of 
an additional uh, uh, optional extra to step one, and that is to use shaking. You can actually, um, when you, if you've seen, ever seen footage of wildlife documentaries where an antelope successfully runs away from a cheetah, for example, you will often see that the animal, um, once it's stopped running, it, it stands and shakes like a dog shaking off water. It's actually part of the animal's physical response to shaking off the adrenaline in its, in its body. So you can use that as well. So three slow breaths tells your brain that all is well. And if you feel that, you've, that your nerves are a bit jangled, you can, you can add the shaking as well, just to shake it off. Imagine that you're like a dog shaking off water and imagine that you're just shaking off the adrenaline rush that's come from this uh, instant sort of sense of alarm. That's step number one. It's calming down your amygdala. It's beginning to make the, the, the chemical changes in your brain. Step number two. Now for this part of the process, you will want to have a foundational thought that you will use to replace the thought loop. Now this is going to be different for everyone. So let's talk through some other ideas of how to create your foundation thought and what characteristics for that thought will give you the most bang for your buck. Uh, this is, you're going to be receiving a worksheet as part of this resource and so you'll get some stuff on the worksheet that will help you with this. Um, so the idea behind a foundational thought is this is a thought that you are going to practice all day long. You're going to uh, use it in, as part of this three-step process, but you're also going to practice it at other points during the day. So this is a really conscious, deliberate, foundational thought that you like that helps you to engage with the version of you that does not have this thought loop or the version of you that has your desire. So you can use any affirmation or, or mantra that you already like, that you already use. Uh, you you want to make sure that this is short so that you can repeat it frequently without it taking hours. So we don't want a one-page um, affirmation. We just want something that's a sentence or so. My own favorite affirmation when it comes to dealing with any anxiety around my business is one that I shamelessly stole from Jeanette Moore, the Good Vibe Coach, uh, and that is, I am a brilliant coach in high demand. That's my go-to foundation thought if I'm experiencing any anxiety around my business. Uh, it's short and it's punchy and it's to the point. Another one that I've worked with which I really like, and this one works really well for me with any time I get anxiety around money, which I still do from time to time. This, is, this has been a, a, um, uh, something that uh, occasionally pops back in a different guise each time. So this one is, I easily make $2,000 a week, which, which I, I certainly used it when it wasn't true. You can also aim to make something more generic if that feels better. So something like, I am totally supported in every way, or everything always works out for me. Make sure that it's a positive statement. So for example, uh, instead of saying something like, I am no longer sick, which focuses on being sick and puts your brain's attention on being sick, you want to turn it in the direction that you want, that you want to go. So it might be something like, I experience my body as healthy. So you're focusing towards the positive. Make this foundation thought all about what you are heading towards, not, you, not what you are moving away from. Your best guide to designing a good foundation thought is how it feels. So aim for something that feels like a stretch but is not so different from your current experience that you immediately get this kickback that says you're lying. So I want to be clear about something here. Uh, first of all, 
your brain cannot actually tell the difference between what is real and what is imagined. So you can make up any foundation thought that you like as long as you can find a way to feel some kind of emotional connection to the truth of it. So when I'm using I am a brilliant coach in high demand, I have the capacity to imagine that to be true in that red hot moment. Um, and even though it might be a very tenuous connection, it's not uh, a million miles away from what my brain has previously experienced. I, I, have, I have some evidence for this. I have some evidence for this being true, even as I'm um, working with it, even, even as I might have been feeling it as a stretch. So you want to use that thought to step into the identity of a person for whom that thought is now true, even when your external reality looks very different. I recently heard someone describe this as faking it until you make it, and I wanted to, I wanted to laugh because nothing could be further from the truth. This is almost the opposite of that. <laughs> what you're going to do with this foundational thought is you're going to use it to, to... It's the kind of thought that allows you to inhabit the identity of someone for whom that thought is already true. When I use the mantra, I'm a brilliant coach in high demand, in that moment it becomes true for me. Am I pretending? Absolutely. I mean, not anymore, but when I was using it, I, it, I was pretending in the sense that I'm using my imagination to deliberately pretend the reality that I prefer. I am tending to it by putting my energy and my focus on it before it actually gets here. We know from the research that this kind of foundation thought, whether we call it an affirmation or a mantra, when it is stated in a positive way and used frequently, it's a powerful way to rewire our brains. Because remember I said before that your brain will give you the reality that matches what it believes to be true. So it will provide you with evidence for that thought. Uh, and if you find it hard to get traction with an affirmation that begins, I am, there's also been some really interesting research that shows you can actually write an affirmation in the third person. So for example, if I had struggled with, I am a brilliant coach in high demand, then what I could have done was change it to something like, Janet is a brilliant coach in high demand. And for reasons we're not entirely sure yet, my brain would have allowed that, kind, that, that to kind of slide in without resistance. And at some point, it, we, we, we know that people eventually become comfortable with using I am instead of Janet is or whatever your name is. Um, and that helps you to really step into that affirmation. So how do we use this foundation thought with the thought loop? Every time you catch yourself in a thought loop, you are going to be stubbornly consistent in how you practice that foundation thought. In fact, you're going to use that thought loop as a trigger for practicing the new foundation thought. Remember I said that you're going to use the foundation thought. We're going to practice it several times a day. You're going to actually use the thought loop as a trigger for practicing it. Um, and this will actually do two things. First of all, you will begin to see the thought loop as less frightening. You'll, in fact, you'll begin to think of it almost as a friend because you know that A, you know it's just chemical, and B, you know that it's your reminder to practice the new thought. It gives you a bounce from which to flip your thoughts to the new direction. So the moment you, let's go back to our old friend about anxiety about money. We open a bill which triggers the thought loop that gives us this anxiety about money, and in that moment we, beco we become aware of it, we notice it, we remind ourselves it's just chemical, 
we take three deep breaths and we think our foundation thought, which might be, I can't, I, I'm so, it's lucky I'm so rich, or uh, I easily make $2,000 a week, whatever our foundation thought is, we persist that with that thought, we repeat it, we practice it. So that thought loop becomes a trigger for that, an opportunity for that. And second, as you immerse in that foundation thought and you begin to feel how nice it feels to be in that, to be lined up with that identity, your brain cells are being exposed to some very different neurochemicals. Being, it's being, your, those cells are receiving the neurochemicals associated with more success, joy, satisfaction, relief, whatever that looks like for you, whatever that fulfilled version of you um, is feeling. And while you are in the process of working with this thought loop to disintegrate it, you are also going to practice your foundational thought as often as you can throughout the day. I'm going to suggest that you practice it 100 times a day <laughs> and you're probably going to faint at the idea of that. So let me break it down a little and make it easy. We're still on step two, by the way. I said it would take longer to describe than to do. Let's break it down and make it easy. You're going to practice this foundation thought in association with habits that you already have during the day. Some of you will have heard me explain this before, um, but let me, let me clarify it again. And uh, so this means you're going to get out, you, you might practice it when you first wake up in the morning. You practice it as you get out of bed. Every time you go to the bathroom, every time you see yourself in a mirror, uh, you might practice it when you clean your teeth or when you step in the shower or when you put a kettle on for a cup of tea or coffee, when you get into your car, when you get on the train to go home from work, whenever you go to the restroom at work, just before you go to sleep at night. There are endless numbers of different habits that you already have or different regular occurrences that you already have during your day. Every time you do one of those, think about, come up with 10 different types of habits or different occasions during the day and make a commitment that every time you have that, you, you go through that particular habit, whatever it is, cleaning your teeth, going to the bathroom, you will, you will practice the foundation thought 10 times. Uh, so doing 100 of these is really easy. So 10 different occasions during the day, 10 times for each one of those. And I have to say that while this is very powerful, doing this foundation thought, it's pretty much an intellectual and mental exercise. And on its own, it may not give you enough traction to break free of the thought loop. That's where step three comes in. So I don't want you to be skipping any steps in this process because when you use all three together, you suddenly get this synergistic effect that's really, really powerful. Step three is where we get really tricky and we begin to manipulate your brain's own chemistry. The three deep breaths and the, and the new foundation thought, they're already beginning to do that but now we're going to really turbocharge the process. Step three is to engage sensory pleasure. When you experience sensory pleasure, your brain is flooded with a completely different set of chemicals, including dopamine, serotonin, and a whole bunch of others. <clears throat> as you do this, it's as though you've reintroduced the string section, the percussion, and all the other parts of that symphony orchestra. Every time you do it, the cells within your brain get flooded with a whole different range of chemicals. So they begin to create neuroreceptors, those little widgets, in order to receive them. And within a very short space of time, the brain cells begin to generate more of the neuroreceptors for these pleasure chemicals and fewer of the neuroreceptors for the anxiety chemicals until you get a balance. 
And you will know how that feels because you will get fewer of the thought loops. You'll stop getting the thought loops. Um, so you won't be doing this three-step practice in the same way. What happens then, what happens when your cells have got these widgets in a balance is they begin to broaden their horizons in terms of what kind of message they are looking for. They stop craving the old anxiety story and now all the stories become possible. Instead of having the anxiety be the key story, all the other stories become equally possible. And this makes it much easier in turn for that new foundation thought to get traction in your brain. In addition, if you activate sensory pleasure while you are practicing your new foundation thought, those reward and pleasure chemicals act to kind of put a sticky note on that foundation thought. Your brain begins to retain that foundation thought because, of what, because what you're doing essentially is activating the reward and desire systems within your brain. That's how it's, design, it's designed to work. We get pleasure when we get something right and, we, and that's how we, we, we remember how to do it. We're using exactly the same system, but we're using it in a very deliberate, a deliberate way. So what do I mean when I talk about engaging sensory pleasure? I'm talking about really simple pleasures. Anything that uses any one of the five senses that feels good. Now for me, the most powerful and immediate one is the sense of smell, but I know this is going to be different for everyone. So uh, this is another area where you're going to be designing this for yourself. The reason I like using the sense of smell is because when I do so, I can almost literally feel the chemical balance in my brain changing. It's got such an immediate impact. It, smell works very instantly on the limbic systems within our brain. So it, it, it is almost like filling our skulls with something completely different. And it also makes it easy to use the three deep breaths at the same time. Uh, so uh, as as you get ready to use this technique, you will want to come up with your own pleasure toolkit. And again, you can use the worksheet to help with that. Um, you'll want to have some pleasure items that are really easy to access, especially if you know that a thought, lo a thought loop is likely to strike out of the blue. That's how they usually work. They just come out of the blue. Now, my, most, my own most reliable and favorite pleasure item of all is a small bottle of in a, a particular essential oil blend made up by a local store, which I carry around with me in my pocket. Uh, the reason I like doing this is it's, it's kind of subtle, so it, I don't feel awkward about using it in public. Um, so whatever it is that you're doing, when I, when I use this, the way that I do it is I grab the, as soon as I become aware of the thought loop, I remind myself that it's just chemistry. I thank it because I've been working with this for a while. So I'm actually at the point now where I can actually thank a thought loop for emerging. That's kind of, you know, that's the masterclass version. Um, I grab the essential oil blend out of my pocket, open the lid, take three long, slow, deep breaths as I inhale the aroma of this essential oil blend and I practice my foundational thought for the period of time for that three deep breaths, which is going to be at least 10 times. In that way, I use all three steps together. Now, depending on your pleasure item, that may or may not be possible. I certainly think it's a powerful way to do it, um, but you may the sense of smell may not light you up in the way it does me. So you can also use things like the sense of touch. So again, uh, you can use you can massage your own hands. You can add hand cream that's nicely scented if you want to get a double whammy. Um, you can use taste. So for example, you might invest in some squares of high quality organic chocolate um, and just take one square, allow it to melt in your mouth. 
Now, I want to see. I want to be really clear here that the aim is not to numb the pain or distract you. So we're not talking about scarfing down a whole chocolate bar. What we're talking about is a deliberate act of immersing in the sensory delight of a single square of chocolate for its own sake, just for the space of three deep breaths. And again, while you're allowing that chocolate to melt in your mouth, if you take the three deep breaths, you'll find it's you are inhaling the aroma of that chocolate in, in a really powerful way. And again, you'll get an amazing impact in your brain. So what happens when we put all these three things together you can see how powerful this is, how powerful the chemical impact is on your brain. And I want to give you, I want to talk about a, a, a side note which is really important as you do this work. Sometimes you will get, very often you will get, especially as you begin working with it, you'll get an immediate rush of delight and a sense of relief. Um, and, and you can really immerse in that. It feels fantastic. Uh, and that on its own, I mentioned before, you need repetition. So you're going to you're going to carry that that pleasure item with you, or you know, if you're using touch and massaging your own hands, for example, or if you're using a sense of stretch. I had a, a client once who was a dancer, and for her, um, doing a particular stretch brought her this sense of, of sensory pleasure in a way that just wouldn't resonate for me. I'd probably break a leg or something. <laughs> um, but so, and so sometimes you'll get this immediate rush of delight and sense of relief and sometimes you won't. It will feel like you're not doing it right and that's okay because again, the research shows us that when you're doing this kind of work, it is not the result which counts, it's the attempt. Every time you do these three steps with conviction and really commit to the three breaths, the new thought and the sensory pleasure, it counts. Whether you feel any different in that hot, red hot moment or not, most of the time you will feel some impact. Very occasionally you might feel nothing. That doesn't matter. It, 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 there's, no, um, there's no correlation. And this sounds so counterintuitive, it's hard to, to kind of retain this information. So I really want to remind you, there's no, count, there's no correlation between how, successful you feel, how successfully you think you've done it in that moment and how much impact it's having in your brain. It's the attempt that actually makes the difference. It's the attempt that, that shifts out of that, um, that kind of stuck thought loop uh, experience. So it's important to keep working with it. Even if you, the last time you did it, you didn't really feel that it had much impact. Keep doing it. It's the attempt that counts. Every time you do it, uh, it's, it is making a difference. Uh, and most of the time you will get at least some relief or some satisfaction, even if it's just, even if it's just from the fact that you noticed you were, you were in that thought loop again. Um, so I'm going to pause and see if there are any questions at this point. Uh, let me just unmute people so that we can... But, okay. Uh, any questions at this stage? Uh, hi, Janet. This is Vicky here. I have a question. Sure. Let me just um, let me just mute the other. It could be my background noise. I'm just outside. Okay. Oh, okay. That's cool. Uh, Ask a question. question. I'm sure we'll be fine. Yeah. The question I have is that could I use myself, imagining myself on the beach, as a sensory, pleasurable thing to engage? Uh, so it's Ooh, not. It's such not a good question. A picture. Yeah, it's just imagination and it's just picturing myself there. Would that be good enough? 
Uh, my short answer to that question is probably not. Um, this is really this is where there's a distinction between um, the, the the way the chemicals work in the brain is different when we imagine pleasure. We do get some we do get some juice out of it, and if if you're absolutely in an emergency, then yes, you can always use your imagination as a backup. But you get about 20%. The, the short version is you only get about 20% of the benefit. Um, that you would get if you are actually um, doing it. So, for example, if you um, if the thing that lights you up about the beach is wriggling your toes in the sand, and your kids have a sandpit in the back garden, then you could go out and stand in the sandpit and wiggle your toes. That sensory experience would would have a much greater effect than you imagining that you're on the beach. Does that make sense? Yes, I would. Uh, what about a picture? Because it's actually the blue turquoise water that gets me going. So I, I just want to see if maybe a picture would do it. A picture of the Is it the colour? Is it the colour yeah, of the, the color. water? It's the colour. Yeah, the um, colour. You could, you could definitely play with that. I would. What, one of the things that I usually recommend is that you have a number of different um, things to play with and that you play with them and experiment and, and see which one because you'll, you'll get a feel for it. The other thing that you could do for beach, if beach is a, a, a source of great pleasure for you, is, um, and again, I'm going back to the sense of smell. Um, I know, and again, it's very personal, but for me, the sense, uh, the sense of smell that, um, or the, the aroma that triggers beach for me most powerfully is actually the smell of coconut. Because when I was growing up, um, and every time I went to the beach, everyone was wearing a coconut-based sun, suntan product. <laughs> so oh, I have this really strong association between coconut, the smell, even coconut-scented hair products immediately makes me feel like I'm on the beach. But this is going to be different for you. So if you've got a sense of smell that you associate with the beach that you can't access, you can use that. Um, in terms of sense of vision, um, it, for, I'm not a particularly visual person. I'm a word girl. So for me... Um, it's not a powerful sense, you know, I don't get the same sensory pleasure that someone who is a very visual person gets. So yes, by all means, play with that sense of colour. And I would think rather than a picture of the beach, I would be, I mean, if you've got a very big picture of the beach that kind of conceal your vision, yeah, by all means go for that. If it's just like a snapshot on your desktop, probably not powerful enough. Um, but, okay. but Play with that. Yeah, does that make sense? Yes, yes. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for that question, by the way. That was a really, really useful question because um, uh, because it's what we're wanting to do is activate the senses, and we do that. As I said, that's going to be really different for each of us. And this is a really good example where the my first go-to thing is never going to be the visual because that's not my thing. Uh, even though I do like, I love looking out of my office window at the big tree out there and I really appreciate it. For something like a thought loop, I want something with more, that's got more oomph for me. Um, and because that's not my modality, that's, that's never going to be visual. But if it is your modality, if you get lit up by colour, if you get lit up by a particular colour, or if it just floods you with that sense of pleasure, then absolutely use that. Um, as I said to Nikki, if if it's um, if it's a picture, then make sure it's big enough to fill your vision. So you might want to grab, you know, if you've if you've got a particular picture that you love, get 
go to Officeworks, go to your local, you know, office supply store or wherever they do this kind of stuff and get, get it blown up to big poster size and put it up on your wall and then go and stand in front of it where that's all you can see. That might be that might do the trick for you. You'll know when you work with this. You'll 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 begin to you, you'll get a sense for it as you practice it, because you're going to become your own expert at this. Um, so uh, now, where did I get up to? Oh yes, the epilogue. <laughs> I want to talk about the epilogue because this is going to feel really good as you start working with this. You're going to find you're going to get more and more traction with it, and you're going to find that the thought loop. As I said before, you may even get to the point where you almost welcome the thought loop as a friend. It will dissolve, so it's not like you're going to sort of keep it hanging around. Uh, but you don't feel so stressed about it because you now you know not only do you have a technique for, for, for detoxing your brain cells, but you also get an opportunity because this is pleasure. I mean, hello, every time you get to do this, you get to enjoy some, phys some physical sensory pleasure. And that's going to feel good. And you get to practice your foundational thoughts. So this is a really nice experience. And this brings me to the epilogue. We humans do this very weird thing when we find something that, that, is, um, that turns us in the direction of pleasure um, and turns us in the direction of what it is that we want that makes us feel good. When we find something that reduces our pain and feels good, we do it until we are no longer in pain and then we stop doing it. That's how we habitually, and that's our default pattern. We just do this long enough to get out of pain and then we stop doing it. I am going to encourage you to continue using the foundation thought even when the old thought loop has been soothed. That way the foundation thought becomes the belief system from which your brain delivers reality. It literally delivers a whole different experience. So this is why I'm going to encourage you to do the foundation thought 100 times a day, whether you are in the middle of a thought loop or not. So you're going to attach it to other habits and you're going to practice that, that, um, uh, that thought. If you want to play with some sensory pleasure items as you're doing that thought, even though the, the old thought loop's not present, then go for it. Now for me, I tend to do the thought, my, my foundation thought. I tend to do it when I go to the bathroom. I tend to do it when I'm... Uh, washing my hands, uh, I tend to do it when I'm um, making tea or coffee. So, uh, so there's a lot of different ways that you can play with this, but I am going to encourage you to keep doing it because uh, it's going to uh, it's going to embed in your psyche, if you like, this, uh, this the the truth of this affirmation or mantra or whatever it is. And I'm going to recommend that you continue to work with that even long past when the thought loop no longer occurs. I'm going to con continue working with that foundation thought until it is so embedded in your psyche that it almost feels kind of boring to think about because the stretch is gone. You've become the person for whom that affirmation is fully realized in physical reality or, or because you actually, you know, you need a foundation thought that takes you even bigger. Um, so to sum up, the thought loop is a chemical addiction in your brain. To detox that, you can use these three different steps and you can do them simultaneously. So that's three deep breaths, a powerful replacement thought, a foundation thought, and a flood of pleasure chemicals, which you get from sensory pleasure. Use the anxiety thought loop as an active trigger to activate this magical brain-changing process. 
and observe, become the field anthropologist, observe how your relationship with the thought loop changes. Some days might feel bumpier than others and that's okay. Remember what I said before, it's the attempt that counts, not the quote-unquote success of the attempt. Sometimes you may find that it works much more powerfully than others and that's okay too. You know that two steps forward, one step back, it's a dance step, it's not a failure and that's particularly true of this brain changing work. Make the commitment to do it, even once you begin to feel better. Keep practicing the foundation thought for at least another couple of weeks after the thought loop is dissolved, longer if it feels good. Uh, and at the end of that two weeks, you might like to make a new foundation thought to play with and keep practicing it 100 times a day. <laughs> so, um, if you, it's, it, this just about brings us to the end. I'm going to open up for questions. Um, I also want to say that you will get the recording and you will get your PDF worksheets within the next 24 hours. So. Uh, I'm going to open it up. I notice that um, Jackie's joined us on the line. I'm just going to unmute everybody and uh, see if we've got any questions. Oh, you guys are quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to assume sorry. that... Sorry, come on. Sorry, I, I missed that bit. Did you say was there any questions? Because it just went all blank. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, thank you for piping up. Yes, I did say. Were there any questions? Okay. Um, if just this one question, if I'm going to have a positive um, uh, thought, um, can I change the thought? If one day I'm I'm coming back with a um, the. <sighs> Sorry, my brain is it's very early in the morning here in WA. I know, <laughs> I know, very impressed. Um, if, if my brain is thinking the positive thought again, you know, something that I'm affirming to myself, um, and then I bring that in with the, um, uh, the, the pleasurable uh, something to smell or, or something, what you've just said, um, will it be different every day or do I think it's the same thing? Um, no, or, it's the or same one. Few that I can hold on to. Just pick one. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah, one. because it becomes. I, yeah, it sort of becomes. Um, uh, um, it, it because we want to try. We want to. We want to activate this foundational thought. So if you've got a thought loop, you probably know the content of it. Generally speaking, it might not be exactly the same every time, but it tends to be the same thoughts over and over again. So thank you for this yeah. question because I, I may not have made this clear but your foundational thought, you'll want to make it something that will be, that sort of addresses the content of the thought loop. Now if it addresses it too specifically so that you get a, a backlash kind of reaction, you know, so for yeah. example, go back to our old friend of money worry, if the foundation thought uh, is too contradictory so that your brain, because you're you're using, you're using, you're, you're choosing your thoughts in order to change your brain. And sometimes, if our foundational thought is very, uh, it's it's very opposite to the the old thought loop, our brain can do this kind of kickback where it says, "Well, that's not true. That's just a lie." So you'll need to design a thought, a foundation thought, which. Uh, takes you in a completely different direction without necessarily creating that backlash. So it can be quite generic um, if you want. You can use something very generic like all is well here or 
I am always provided for. That's a kind of nice, neutral, mm. loose, loose and easy one. If it doesn't, if it doesn't kick up the backlash, you can go for something really specific, like I easily make two thousand dollars a week, and only you will know. This is why you, you know, it's sort of. This is why you guys are going to get a worksheet that will kind of help to uh, help help you to get that um, help you to find that foundational thought that's going to be right for this. But yes, use the same one every time. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to retry, we're rewiring your brain. So having that same that same replacement thought every time, it gives you this really powerful. Your brain is going to use that. It's going to build a new belief, and the brain will use that yeah. new belief to create that landscape of possibility. It's going to that's yeah. you know as it begins to as it begins to as that becomes the new default belief, your brain will begin to show you evidence for that being true. So if your new belief is, I easily make $2,000 a week. And for me, easily is an important word in there. <laughs> because if you're used to having to work hard for money, then you need to make sure that gets addressed. So designing the affirmation, we may have to do a whole separate um, call on that. But designing the affirmation, that, that foundation thought, is um, uh, you can really have fun with that and play with the wording. And certainly you might want to adjust it in the early days as you're beginning to play with this. You might tweak that foundation thought, but once you've settled on it, once you've found the one that just gets you that right degree of traction, it's the right amount of stretch, it's the right amount of, you know, a, a, a pulling you back into the direction that you want to go. Once you find that, then stick with it. And, and as I said, stick with that foundation thought, use it until the thought loop is dissolved, and keep using it for a little while after that, a week or a couple of weeks. Um, and then you can design a new foundation thought and have fun with that. <laughs> that makes sense? Uh, um, yes, it does. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, thank you for that question. That was brilliant. Any other questions? Um, Janet, it's Nikki here again. I, I have a question as well. Sure, Nikki, go ahead. Um, I was just thinking that if we follow, follow this three-step process and assuming you will start to feel better immediately, uh, but in your experience with the stuff that you've tried, how soon do you really see your reality actually start to change uh, once you started this process on one particular topic? Well, that's a really good question. And the answer is I don't use it specific. This specific process is not something that I'm using in order to manifest something or in order to change my reality. Because if okay. I if I bring if I bring that intention to it, if I have an agenda to it, um, mm -hmm. it starts to bring in a sense of is it here yet? And that can easily trigger some anxiety, which triggers the old thought loop again. So so the the specific intention behind this process is purely to is to bring the relief from a sticky thought loop. That's all it's for. And you will find that things start to change anyway. Um, uh, but but if you make that a sort of, if you bring in that sense of a time frame or uh, even if you bring in a sense that I'm doing this in order to change something in my reality, I mean, in a sense you are because you're changing your own relationship with your own thoughts. You're changing your relationship with your brain and you're changing. You are literally rewiring your brain. So you are making those changes, but that's got to be the focus of it is not so much 
when is the outside stuff going to change? Because we're not, not we're not worried about the outside at the moment. We're purely worried about the inside. Not worried about, but we're purely concerned with the inside. So all we're doing is shifting that thought loop. And that, because the thought loop can keep us trapped. Once the thought loop is dissolved, that opens up all kinds of different freedoms. Um, but yes, I, so I would let go of any sense that we're doing this with a deadline or with a time frame, and I'd certainly let go of any sense that we're doing it in order to make something come true that isn't true yet. Um, just focus on the relationship with your brain, with your thoughts. And remember that what you're doing here is you're doing this in order to manage your brain, which is a way of managing your vibration. Make sense? Okay, makes sense. Thank you so much. I think that clarified a lot of things. All right, beautiful. Thank you for that. Thanks for the question, Nikki. Any other questions? No? No one else got anything? No. Going once? Going twice? <laughs> All right, let's call it a wrap. Thank you, everyone, okay. so much for being Thank on the call. Thanks, Janet. Thanks very much. Thank you, Janet. And uh, as I said, you'll get your recording and, some, and your PDF worksheets within the next 24 hours. Thank you so much. I'm going to finish the recording now. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.